1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 11, but mostly verses 1 through 7 tonight. We're going to really start to dig in at verse 8 next Thursday. Title of the message is, Many Gifts, One Spirit. That's pretty much, in a nutshell, what the message will be tonight. We are beginning a new section. If you were with us on Sunday, or if you've been paying attention at all during 1 Corinthians, you know that every new section, it's like uh, Paul has to deal with a new problem. Corinth was a church with issues, problems, right? You guys know that. Let me give you a real quick brief synopsis again. One of the things he talked about right off the bat in chapter 1, division in the church. They all had their favorite teachers. One said, I'm a disciple of Paul. I'm a disciple of Apollos. I'm a disciple of Peter, rather than a disciple of Jesus. Then there was the love of worldly wisdom. There was sexual immorality, adultery, divorce in the church. There were lawsuits among believers. There was division concerning food, sacrifice to idols. There was a making of a mockery of the Lord's Supper. There was division concerning authority and submission. As I said on Sunday, it's like every section Paul is turning over a new rock and out scurries another issue. Well, the topic at hand that we find in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, verse 1, is, we see, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, Paul says, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now, first thing you want to notice, look at the word gifts there. If you have a... The New King James, it should be italicized. What that means is that word gift is not in the Greek. It's not in the original language. So really this would read, now concerning spirituals or now concerning things spiritual. See, Paul has been dealing with, for the first 11 chapters, for the most part, things carnal. Things that have to do with the fleshly part of man. But now he says, starting in chapter 12, let's talk about things spiritual. And he's going to talk about in chapter 12 and 13 and 14 things that are spiritual. I've kind of a rough outline for you. In chapter 12, we're going to see spiritual things introduced. In chapter 13, you guys know that's the love chapter. We're going to see spiritual things in perspective. And in chapter 14, Paul's going to talk about how spiritual things need to be in order. Introduced in chapter 12, in perspective in chapter 13, and in order in chapter 14. So Paul turns over the rock in chapter 12, and the issue that scurries out is the fact that these Corinthians were so carnal that even their spiritual gifts were used in carnal ways. You may remember 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7. Paul says, you guys are not lacking in any gift. He's like, there's no gift out there. A a spiritual gift that you don't have. But from the very beginning, chapter 1 all the way through now, he's been just slamming them over and over again saying, yes, you have a gift, but how are you using it? He's saying, look, you guys have the spiritual gifts, but how are you using them? You're using them carnally. Verse 1, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Why do we have this section, chapters 12, 13, and 14 of the Bible? Because Paul does not want us to be ignorant about spiritual things. More importantly, God does not want us to be ignorant about spiritual things. The word ignorant, you probably know, means uninformed. Agnosis, without knowledge. But it's amazing 
how ignorant the church really is in the area of spiritual gifts. If the root word of ignorant is to ignore, then I would say that ignorance comes in two extremes in the church today. Some groups want to ignore the fact that the Holy Spirit moves decently and in order. Some groups want to have a free-for-all. They want to have people hanging from the chandeliers, running down the aisles, barking like animals, all of that kind of stuff. And others, probably in reaction to the first group, they want to ignore the subject of spiritual gifts altogether. Others will say, no, the gifts of the Spirit were not for today. They've passed on. As if the gifts of the Spirit have ceased. Those are called cessationalists. They believe that they have, the spiritual gifts have ceased. So the former, in my opinion, take leave of their senses. But the latter think the Holy Spirit has taken leave. Now, I'm not sure which camp you come from. But I know this. The Spirit is alive and well. And He still wants to give good gifts. And likewise, the Spirit is not interested, though, in putting on a circus sideshow. The Spirit wants to glorify Jesus and build up the church. Jesus said, said, you know how to give good gifts to your children, right? Fathers, you know how to give good gifts to your children. If your son asked you for a piece of bread, would you hand him a stone? My son, Isaac, every morning asks me for a piece of toast. I never say... Hey, why don't you take this rock instead? I know how to give good gifts. If he asks for a piece of bread, I'm going to give him a piece of bread. He says, fathers, if if your son asks you for something good, are you going to give him a serpent, something that's actually going to hurt him? No. Jesus says, in that context, how much more will your heavenly father give you the gift of the Holy Spirit? The gift of the Holy Spirit is a good thing. He will not harm you. He will not hurt you. See, there's a lot of things to learn about spiritual gifts. And there's no way we could learn them all tonight. But we're going to begin. I think perhaps the first thing we need to realize when we're looking at spiritual gifts is how ignorant we really are. See, Paul points that out in verse 2. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2. Paul says to these Corinthians who thought they had it all figured out, You know that you were Gentiles. Carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. In other words, Paul says, guys, remember your pagan background. Now, you worshipped idols, Paul says, gods of stone, gods that could not speak. I don't know if you knew, but in the ruins of Pompeii, they found a huge statue of Isis. And in the back of that statue, the goddess Isis, there was a doorway that led to a chamber. And in the chamber was a long tube that ran up to the mouth of this goddess, Isis. And it worked like a a megaphone so that the person in the back, in the little chamber, could make Isis talk. The great and powerful Isis says... It's like the Wizard of Oz, right? Curtain blows back. uh, uh, Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. So... Paul says, how ignorant do you have to be to follow a dumb idol? Paul is saying to the Corinthians, I believe as gently as he knows how, look, 
You guys, remember, you, you weren't the brightest bulbs in the bunch. You thought you had all the answers when you worshipped idols, but you didn't. And I believe God is saying to us tonight, when it comes to spiritual things, realize that perhaps your past experience, perhaps what you've been taught before, may have not equipped you to really understand the Holy Spirit, His graciousness, His goodness, His desire to give good gifts. I mean, it's entirely possible that you think you have all the answers, that I think I have all the answers, but we don't. Maybe you came in tonight a cessationalist, meaning, oh, the gifts have already been, they, they don't exist anymore. They have ceased. If that's you, you, you came in thinking, I can't believe that he's saying what he's saying. I can't believe that Doug thinks that the gifts are for today. And you've built your whole theology around perhaps one verse in chapter 13 that's out of context. My question would be, could it be that you've been led to that conclusion? But he says, do you realize that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led? Or maybe you came in tonight, not a cessationalist, a sensationalist. And you're thinking, it's about time we saw a move of the spirit in this dead church. As if, unless you have a certain emotion or a certain experience, the Spirit didn't show up. Well, let me ask you, could it be that you were led to that conclusion? I think that Paul is challenging us to put aside the conclusions to which we've been led. Let me put it this way. One sure way to remain ignorant is to be convinced that you're not. One sure way to remain ignorant is to say, oh, I've got it figured out. I don't need to listen to that. Let's do ourselves a favor and let the Bible teach us about spiritual gifts. Look with me at verse 3. Paul says, therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, same as today. There were people claiming to speak words of the Holy Spirit, and they were faking it. And, but they were being believed by some. And there were others who were discounting real prophecies. Paul says, okay, here's a clue. If they say Jesus is accursed, it's probably not of the Spirit. If they say Jesus is Lord, well, that's a good sign. Now, you might be thinking, well, duh, but what Paul is doing here is he's giving us a broad principle, and that's this. Judge things, judge these spiritual things that may or may not happen in the church. Judge them by how they relate to Jesus Christ. For instance, does a supposed gift that someone claims they have, does it glorify Jesus? Does it point to Jesus as Lord? See, if it's truly of the Spirit, it's going to bless. It's going to say in essence, that Jesus is Lord. That's how we measure things by the Spirit of God. How it relates to, how it glorifies Jesus. John 15, verse 26, Jesus was speaking of the Spirit and he said, He, the Spirit, will testify of me. Not me, Doug. Jesus. Jesus says, when the Spirit comes, he will talk about me. He will point to me, Jesus. See, the Holy Spirit always points to Jesus. See, that's how you test a spiritual event. 
If you, if you want to know if something is from the Spirit, compare it to the character and the nature of Jesus that you saw, saw when you read the Gospels. See, the Holy Spirit will display the nature and the character of Jesus. Does it point to Jesus? Or does it point to the one who's speaking? Is there a sense of gentleness, humility, grace, servanthood, just like Jesus? Or does the prophecy or whatever it is come out sounding like one big, look at me? The Holy Spirit never says, look at me. The Holy Spirit always says, look at Jesus. Now, the title of the message tonight is Many Gifts, One Spirit. That could be the heading over verses 4 through 6. Look with me at verses 4 through 6. Remember, tonight is a primer, really, about spiritual gifts. Verse 4, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. You guys notice a few words repeated there? There's really two words that are important that are repeated three times. The word diversity, it says diversities of gifts, differences of ministries, that's the same word, diversities of activities. It's all the same word, it's diaresis. It means distribution, a distinction, uh, something different. Paul says, look, there's different things going on here, but the other word that happens three times in those verses is same. He says, but it's the same spirit. It's the same Lord. It's the same spirit. God. Now, by the way, just an aside, notice how the Trinity here is woven in to this passage. See, some people like to point out the fact that you never see the word Trinity in the Bible. No, but you see the Trinity itself in many passages just like this. Paul says it's the same spirit. It's the same Lord. It's the same God. Now, what's the the overall message is pretty clear here. It's Many gifts, one spirit. See, like pretty much every other issue, as we've seen in Corinthians, the Corinthians had found a way to divide over even spiritual gifts. Look at me. I got the gift of prophecy. Oh, yeah? Well, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not even really saved. Oh, really? Well, I got a word of knowledge for you. They were dividing into camps. Now that sounds familiar. That's what they do in Corinth. They were dividing into camps over spiritual things. Our group, they would say, is better than your group. Yeah, well, we prophesy over here. You guys can do your thing. But what we do is prophesy. We're much more spiritual than you. Now, this is probably a really good place to mention the fact. Did you know there's a difference between spiritual gifts and spiritual fruit? The gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. Were you with us when we went through Galatians? You remember we talked about the fruit of the Spirit. Here's four quick differences between the gifts of the Spirit that we see here and in Romans 12 and in Ephesians 4 and the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. Fruit deals with characteristics. Fruit deals with who you are, who you are becoming in Christ. Right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, 
long-suffering. Those are characteristics. Those are part of your character. And they grow like fruit. Gifts, on the other hand, are not characteristics. They are capabilities. They are things that you can do. They are what you can do as opposed to who you are becoming. Make sense? It's a, it's a huge difference. Fruit develops gradually over time, correct? Fruit is part of a sanctification process. As you abide in Christ, gradually over time, fruit develops in you. Gifts, on the other hand, when was the last time someone gave you a gift gradually? <laughs> no, gifts happen instantaneously. Now, you can develop a gift, get really good at, at a certain gift that you have, but really they are given to you in one moment. Now, everyone, when we're talking about fruit, everyone should be developing all of the fruits. Love, joy, peace. You, you don't say to yourself, well, I just don't have the fruit of love, and I guess I never will. No, everyone should be developing the fruits of the Spirit. But not everyone will have all of the gifts of the Spirit. Lastly, fruit implies maturity. Not so with gifts. Any little boy can receive a gift. Fruit comes after time. So the problem with the Corinthians was, right here in this last point, they had plenty of gifts. Paul says, you don't lack any gifts. It's maturity. It's the fruit of the Spirit that you lack. Verse 4 again. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. Now the word gifts in verse 4. Probably all of you know it. It's charisma. It's where we get the word charismatic. It means literally a favor with which one receives without any merit of his own. Did you hear that? That's what a gift is. Something you get that you don't deserve. That you never earned. If it's a gift, you did not earn it. If you earn a gift, it's not a gift. So from the get-go, the question becomes, why in the world would you boast about your gift? Why would you say, I've got the gift of healings? Look, look at me. Oh, do you not have the gift of tongues? Well, I do. Why would you boast about anything like that? What it makes you want to do is give that person a gift of humble pie. He says there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. We're going to, again, we're just going to read through verses 8 through 11. Next week, we're going to really dig into them. But look, he says there's diversity of, diversities of gifts. And then he lists, it's a laundry list, verse 8 through 11, of these, some of these gifts. This is, by the way, not an exhaustive list. Again, you'll find in Romans 12, other ones. You'll find in Ephesians uh, 4, other gifts. Paul, in my estimation, never sets out to say, okay, here's all of the gifts you could ever receive. Okay, but here are some in uh, chapter 12, verse 8. He says, for to, given, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. 
to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Again, we're going to dig into those next week, and it's exciting. It's, it's neat to see uh, all, not even, again, not all, but some of the ways that God gives gifts that are so different. Aren't you glad that not everyone has the same gift? I mean, how boring would it be if everyone had the gift of teaching? We'd be here all night. But it's important to say that one person's gift is not from a better spirit than another. See, it says the spirit gives different gifts to different people for different purposes, but it's all to edify the whole body. Look at verse 4 again. He says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Verse 5, there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. The word gifts there was charisma. The the word uh, ministries here is Diakonia, the same word we get deacon from. He's saying there are differences of ministries, like service, ministry, especially of those who execute the commands of others. What it seems to be speaking of is gifts in relationship to an office, or let's put it this way, an assignment. He says, look, the the, the Spirit gives different gifts, and Jesus gives different assignments. He's talking about assignments, about offices. Look down with me at verse 28. You'll see what he might be referring to here. Verse 28 through 30, it says, And God has appointed these in the church, different assignments. First, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. After that, miracles. Then, gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Does everybody have the office of an apostle? Certainly not. Are all prophets? No way. Are all teachers? Uh Uh-uh. Are all workers of miracles? No Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? See, Paul is talking about, in verse 4, he's talking about gifts. But in verse 5, he's talking about the ministries in which those gifts often operate. And there's a point to be made here. That's this. If you're wondering about your gift, one way to find out is in service. Your, your, your gifts begin, begin to be used in service. How often have we heard that healings maybe don't happen as often here in the States, but you go overseas on a mission trip and stuff like that happens crazy. It's, it's amazing. What, the point is that gifts sometimes are manifested more in ministry, in service. Verse 6, he says, And there are diversities of activities but is the same God who works all in all. The word activities there is energema. It's the same place we get the word energy. In other words, results. And he says, but it is the same God who works. That word is very similar. It's energio. And it means to be operative, to be at work, to put forth power. The point is this. Again, we're getting a primer here for the, the spiritual gifts. The Spirit gives the gifts, Jesus gives your assignment, and the Father gives you results. Now, this is not hard and fast. This is not saying that that they only operate in their, their little channels. But I think what Paul is trying to point out here is this. You notice that the Trinity is working together. 
Just like that, our gifts are supposed to work together. We should be working together, which is Paul's entire point here. He says, why would you take your gift and say, I'm special, I'm different, I'm going to be over here in my own little space. Why would you not be working together just like God, the Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit do? That's pretty much what he says. Look at verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of me, the profit of the person with the with the gift? No, for the profit of all. Now look at the word manifestation there. You guys know what that means? It means to make visible or known what has been hidden or unknown. Let me put it this way. It means to make visible that which is already present, but you can't see it. If my Bible is behind my back, is it still here? Yes. But it's not manifest. He says, but the manifestation, the, the showing, the, the making visible of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. See, this is really important to anyone who says to themselves, well, I can't wait till we get to learn about the gifts of the Spirit because this church is so dead. No, the Spirit is here. He's not going to be any more here if someone prophesies. Do you get that? He's not going to be any more here if someone stands up and has a word of knowledge. But he will be more manifest. He will show himself. Does that make sense? I hope so. He will be made manifest, known. But look at verse 7 again. But the manifestation of the Spirit, the way he shows himself, is given to each one. For the profit of all. The word each there is hekastos. Listen to this. It means each and every. Did you hear that? Each and every. That means that the Holy Spirit has a gift for you. He's already given you a gift, probably. That means the Holy Spirit wants to manifest himself through you. If you know Jesus as your Lord... I have no doubt that everyone in this room, particularly tonight, knows him. He wants to manifest himself. He wants to show himself through you. Why? So everybody can see how spiritual you are? So everybody can go, wow, that guy's amazing. No, verse 7 again. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. This is central this is really important. If you don't remember anything else, when you receive a spiritual gift, it is not for you. It's not for your entertainment. It's not for your own enjoyment. It's not for your glory. It's not for your ego. It's for the profit of all. For the whole body. Now, maybe... Maybe you think, well, nice try, but I'm still really not interested in the gifts. Or maybe you think, well, I'm interested, but I'm not worthy. Well, we've already talked about the fact that spiritual gifts are not earned. They are given. And I like what Dave Gusick said. I was listening to him when he's talking about this. If you're the type of person who's like, well, I'd really 
you know, I'd, I'd pray for a spiritual gift, but I'm not worthy. He says, just because you don't feel like you're worthy, don't cheat me. It's like if the gifts are given for the profit of all, don't you dare cheat me by not praying that God would manifest himself in you. Now, we're going to get to more of these things, especially we're going to find out what, is, what does he mean when he says word of wisdom, word of knowledge, all of those things. Next Thursday, we're going to just kind of stay on this uh, theme of spiritual gifts. If you have people that uh, don't normally come on Thursday night, invite them. Say, hey, I think you might be interested because this stuff is pretty, it's interesting, I think, but it's also vital. So next Thursday, we're really going to get into it. But what's the overarching principle for tonight? Many gifts, one, spirit. Many ministries or offices or assignments, one, Lord. Many activities, that's energy, that's the power that that God brings, but only one, God and Father. I hope that you guys will come back for these future Thursdays. It's amazing to me how God is so creative and how he wants to fit us all together. That's the, the main thing that I'm excited about. I don't know how to put this in, a, in a words. I have noticed over the last months, when, you, when the right person comes and is put in the right ministry and is empowered by the Holy Spirit, not only is the church blessed, but that person is also blessed. Um, one example, just off the bat, is Amy's ministry with the women. That's like blessing people. It's blessing me that the women are being blessed. It's like when the right person fits into the right ministry, there's nothing like it. I believe the Lord has for us... He, he wants to take our talents, that's natural talents. He wants to take our spiritual gifts, that's supernatural stuff. He wants to, in every way, help us know where we fit in the body. There is no joy like being used by the Lord in the right fit, in the right spot. My deepest desire, truly, is that everyone would know where they fit in. And that's, again, why I would say invite people for Thursday nights because how would our church be changed if everybody went, oh, now I get it. This is what the Lord would have me to do, even if it's just for this season. He has given good gifts for every one of you. Not for you, but for us. Next week, let it be like Christmas. We're going to open up these gifts. We're going to look. We're going to inspect these gifts Some of these gifts, again, it's not an exhaustive list, but we're going to see some of the gifts that the Holy Spirit has so graciously bestowed upon our church. We're going to talk about this on Sunday. If we're a body, then he has given us a big toe. He's given us an eye. He's given us a hand. He's made us to where if we actually all were functioning the way we're supposed to, What a blessing we would be to each other and to the community around us. Do you get it? That's my desire. That is what I hope the Lord will speak through these next few messages.